Come on and listen. We got suggestions on the Bird Talker Radio. If your bird's misbehaving, we'll help you save it on the Bird Talker Radio. If your bird's getting rowdy, just call and say howdy on the Bird Talker Radio. We are birds of a feather. We'll stick together on the Bird Talk Radio. Dot com. To me, I, I look at it from a science perspective. You know, we know that there's something reinforcing biting behavior. We don't always know what it is. Often, we don't know what it is, but it's often easy for somebody to put a label on it and say, "Well, you." That because the bird is hormonal. All animals have hormones. And, and these hormones sometimes can change or influence behavior. No problem. But they don't determine behavior. Hormones might have a little influence on behavior, nesting behavior, territorial aggression behavior maybe. But I've heard also that if a parrot's on your hand and the bird likes you a lot, and here comes your husband that the bird doesn't like, that the bird will reach down and bite you to warn you of this intruder coming in. Um, uh, I've also heard what you said too. Birds will bite other birds to get them to move because there's another male they don't want them to, uh, to interact with. None of this makes any sense to me after watching parrots in the wild for, I don't know, 20 years or something. I've never seen anything like that in the wild. But I think it's easy for people to kind of make up stuff um, that they see and try to connect it to wild behavior, even though they haven't seen parrots in the wild. Um, they're try- searching for an excuse for this behavior, maybe. Um, yeah, there was one person who talked all about hormonal Amazon parrots. Oh, my God. Went on and on about these Amazon parrots. They get hormonal, and then they bite and everything. And if you've got a male that has all these different symptoms, and it's a super male, because it's so hormonal. Uh, all that stuff is just made up and um, it, it doesn't connect with wild behavior at all. Um, and it's an excuse, you know? That bird goes, you go to step that Amazon parrot up and he reaches over and bites you. It's because he's hormonal. No, it's not because he's hormonal. It's because he didn't like what you were doing. His wings are clipped, he has no way to get away. The only way to communicate with you is to bite you um, and because you've left him no choice and you've taken away his voice. You go to scoop him up. No wonder he's going to bite you. If you put your hand over on the side of the perch and let him walk toward you to step up with a peanut, magically, he will not be hormonal anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy to yes. me that some of these misconceptions are out there. Birds in the wild. I was reaching with I've that. seen it. No, no, you're you're reciting well, things that I've heard plenty of times. But let me just say one more thing about the wild. Uh, no, go ahead. In Steve. the wild, in the wild, um, and I've seen this so many times, parrots sitting in a communal roost tree, sitting by their partner. I see it even here in our flocks and macaws when a bald eagle flies over. In the wild, a bird gives an alarm call. When it sees an eagle or sees a predator, a snake gives an alarm call. Every bird on that clay lick or in that communal roost tree, every bird takes off and flies. They don't stop to look. They don't bite the bird next to them to warn them. I mean, that could be the end of them. If an eagle is flying in and 
you hear an alarm call or you see an eagle and you go to bite the bird next to you to warn it, it's going to distract that bird. It's going to distract you. And now both of you are vulnerable to that eagle eating you. So in the wild, when, when they hear an alarm call, they just fly. Every bird around that hears that alarm call flies. They, and so biting, here's what happens. Birds on the uh, person's hand, the wife's hand, if he's bonded with the wife, the husband walks in. He wants to bite the husband, wants to bite the husband, wants to bite. He can't because he can't fly. So he reaches down and he bites the person whose hand he's standing on. Science describes that really well. It's called redirected aggression. So the aggression he wants to play on the husband over there is played out on the person that he's standing on because of frustration. The frustration of not being able to get over there and bite that person is played out through these emotions that cause that bite or trigger that bite. Yeah, that's how it works. Yes. So I, I think you. a lot of times people behavior make is up, uh, learned, right? And and yeah, it's learned. I was reaching when I when I when I submitted that uh, that description of um, that we were talking about. But uh, Steve, what what I was reaching for that you've already you've already confirmed in many ways is that everything <clears throat> we do with our pet birds is training, isn't it? Isn't everything we do? Uh, yeah. uh, with them uh, some time of training because everything you do with your pet bird involves some response from the bird. Yeah, and that's a really good point, Mike. Anytime you interact with your bird, you're shaping and influencing behavior. Now, just because you don't have a peanut in your hand and you're not giving cues or things like that, it doesn't mean you're not training, but you're always shaping behavior because the things that you do, and see, here, here's what it comes down to. For every action any animal makes, there's always conditions before that action or that behavior. Those are called antecedents. And then after the behavior, there's always consequences, things that are related to that behavior occurring again. So we as trainers, we adjust antecedents. The antecedent for a bird to step on our, on our hand is you put your hand up toward the bird. And you can either force the bird to step up or you can put it over by the perch and let them walk over to you. And then once the bird steps up on your, on your hand, it's immediately what happens after that is a consequence. The consequence determines whether that behavior is going to occur again. So if he steps up on your hand by force, you force him up. And then you go sit on the couch or go someplace scary with him, the chances of him stepping on your hand the next time decrease. But if he steps on your hand, you give him a treat, a piece of his favorite food, like a peanut or a little piece of cheese or celery, then the chances of him stepping on your hand next time increase because you reinforced or strengthened that behavior. You see, there's so many people out there that have such different perspectives on training animals. Um, and sometimes people just say, don't let him get away with that. Make sure he knows you're the boss. And that attitude is so foreign to me because we fly birds free. We, we have 200 birds that fly free in our programs. And if we were to force a bird to do anything, we'd take trust out of our account. 
the, the bird wouldn't want to come back to us. These birds uh, have all the food that they want. They come back to us because we have favorite treats and things like that. But it's a complicated thing, you know. Imagine, you mentioned earlier. Imagine if when, someone forced you to do something, listening audience. It is. Yeah. It is. Isn't it, Steve? Isn't it mostly just a huge matter of patience and observation and responding well, to is key. Um, what you're observing with patience? Yeah, patience is key and um, observing the body language and, and giving the animal a voice so that its body language is its voice. And when you allow that bird the opportunity to use its voice, and that voice is as strong as your voice or even stronger, then you're not going to invade its personal space unless it invites you in with its body language. Now, you, you mentioned earlier uh, something, Mike, that just came up, and that was um, force-free animal training. You know, I've heard that said a number of times now, force-free. But reality is that nobody is force-free. I mean, nobody is a pure, positive animal trainer because we have to do things to keep animals safe. So force-free to right, me... We have to influence it, them somehow. So there's some type of yeah. force. There's some type of well, influence. I, Maybe it shouldn't be called force-free training. Maybe it should be yeah. a, a de deficient <laughs> influence training or something no, like that, yeah. right? It's all really a really good label for it, and that is positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement trainer. So positive, we add something the animal likes to the environment. But, you know, I mean, if you're sitting there cooking and all of a sudden your bird flies over and it's going to land on that hot stove, you've got to move your hand to stop the bird from getting hurt, right? So there's a lot of things like that that we do sometimes to keep birds safe. Um, a bird, when you're going to close a door and a bird puts his head in the door, you move his head back real quick before he uh, gets his head caught in there. So there's little things like that. So I'm reacting to this label that I hear, have heard people say several times. Well, I'm a force-free animal trainer. It's really, you know, it's just a label. Um, and one of the people who talks so much about force-free is very happy to show you how to put a harness on a parrot. And you might train putting a harness on with positive reinforcement, but, you know, as soon as that bird flies off or something and that harness takes hold there's a lot of force there that is no longer force free so exactly. i like to just focus on positive i focus on positive reinforcement giving the animal a voice having a relationship with an animal where its body language shows me through approach behavior that it wants to be with me wants to fly back to me that's why our birds fly back to us but it takes a long time to develop that, um, those flight skills and 100% recall. You know, we don't lose parrots. We fly hundreds of parrots and we just don't lose them um, because they want to be with us because of the high trust account. But building trust is a difficult thing, man. It takes a lot of time. Naturalencounters.com, listening audience. Yeah. Naturalencounters.com. And, yeah. and Steve, Mike, maybe go ahead, Steve. 
Oh, I was going to say, maybe we ought to start wrapping up because yes. um, I'm happy to come back another time. Yes. But I did want to mention, and I'm glad you brought up our name, because we do have um, some programs. We have what we call Tech Talks, T-E-C. We have opened the Natural Encounters Training and Education Center. It's an all-animal education center. Um, this next week, we have um, two people doing presentations uh, in our Tech Talks, TEC. Um, it's Dr. Susan Friedman, who is the scientist that knows more about behavior than anybody I know, animal behavior. And Ken Ramirez, who is also a well-known, world-renowned animal trainer. So that starts on Monday, and we do the Tech Talks Monday at 2 o'clock and Wednesday at 2 o'clock. And then on Friday, we have a panel conversation. I'll join Ken and Susan for this conversation. But the really exciting thing for parrot owners is we're opening an, another course. Now, we all also do these four-week courses. In a four-week course, we have um, lectures from every Wednesday night for a month, 7 p.m. until 9.30. So we go 7, 8, 9. No, we go until uh, 9 o'clock, sorry. Hour and a half of lecture and then a half hour of question and answers. But the really cool part about this is for that whole month, people can have a mentor. Now that means, and, and this, that course is all on parrot, parrot behavior and training. So if you want, you can sign up for a mentor to be with you for that whole month on Zoom wow. calls. On, wow, on, that um, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. On, um, so a person that actually Zoom, interact phone, and, and work with uh, we can watch parents. video, watch video of your birds. Um, we can do emails. I mean, it's really fabulous. I've got a lot of experts here on our team. And, you know, our shows are shut down right now, like most of the country, most of the world. And so we have time. You're in person. That our experts yeah, your can, live shows, zoos. Yeah, can come work. Mm -hmm. with, that's right. So, I mean, that's going to be great. Now, we're launching that. Um, it, it's going to start June 3rd. We make the announcement at Natural Encounters um, Tech, TEC. We'll make that announcement Sunday, tomorrow, uh, if anybody wants to sign up for that. It's going to be a fabulous course. Learn all about parrot behavior and training, how to solve the problems, how to train the behavior you always wanted. It's going to be um, a really amazing course. And if you want, uh, there's a little extra fee for the, um, uh, the mentor. But you get that mentor for four weeks as much as you want that person to help you. Priceless. Uh, any way you want that priceless. person to help you. That's awesome. That's priceless. Oh, it's going to be great. And listening audience, oh. the, um, Natural Encounters not paying me anything for this show. Nothing. We're doing this uh, pro bono, so to speak, and out of our own heart to help you become more successful with your feathered loved ones and avian professionals right steve exactly right yeah steve well mike um, thanks i had a couple of questions just two before you leave okay from yvonne sure. patterson she asked me to ask you and i've worked with yvonne for many years in the midwest and many, uh, excuse me mike um, really blowing people out here on the microphone but um yvonne really loves what you're doing steve and she's with wings of love 
uh, Inc.org listing audience. If you want to go back to her website, she's done a lot of bird shows for 40 years in the Midwest, much like uh, you have been doing uh, all over the world, Stephen yeah. Zeus with the birds. And she uh, wanted uh, to ask you a couple of questions. Listening audience, when we bring Steve back again, and let me turn down the gain a little bit. Um, we're I'm hoping that we can have some Q and A, and eventually this can be a regular deal with uh, Steve when he has time because of his his just enormous experience and and uh, widespread organizations that are benefiting animals uh, all over the world, not just birds, but Steve is uh, even involved in uh, widespread animal behavior. Um, and here's the question, so let me get to it. Uh, Yvonne wanted to know, Steve, what is the most difficult species of animal you have worked with? <laughs> That's a interesting question. I guess one of the most challenging animals to train are uh, giraffe. So we do a lot of training with giraffe where we teach them to voluntarily put their foot up on a on a platform so that we can trim their hooves, uh, mm. trim their feet. Um, yeah, but they're probably a little slower, more complicated, a little more wary if you use that label uh, than most of the other animals that we train in zoos. Okay, and the other question, she has a couple here. What is one of his more humorous moments during a show? Most embarrassing? <laughs> oh, I don't she know. Said, yeah. She said you may not want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not. Okay. You know, I do remember one um, where we used to do a dollar bill routine thing where a volunteer holds a dollar bill out and the raven goes out, gets a dollar bill, brings it back, puts it in my pocket. And we do a little gag. Thank you very much. Who wants to try it with a 20, et cetera. But then, then I, I would send the dollar bill back. So uh, one time, <laughs> the raven grabbed the dollar bill, and the person didn't want to let go. So the bird started flying and jerked its head back a little bit, ended up bouncing off the woman's head in front, and it's... <laughs> toenails got hooked in her wig and pulled her wig off oh my god well i think that, that qualifies was, <laughs> yeah that qualified one more question yvonne All this right. is yvonne patterson burbach wings of love inc.org in the midwest she said what is in his opinion the smartest species of bird he has worked with yeah, the smartest species, probably kias. You know, kias are unbelievably smart. And same with ravens. We've got a number of ravens in our shows, crows as well. So crows, ravens, um, but kias in the parrot family, it's kias. You know, they are just unbelievably smart. Steve, we love you. I'm sure <laughs> Thanks, everyone Mike. loves you that are listening. I love well, you. And... Can't wait to have you back on air again. I'll be back in the studio in about two weeks, listening audience. I well, thanks, Mike. And Steve, thanks again for being on Bird Talk Live Online.
Yeah, my pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Go join World Paratrust, or at least find out who they are. And I hope to see you back here. Thanks, Mike. We will. Thank you. Good night, Steve. Good night. are listening to Bird Talk live online, a presentation of KC Bird Whisperer International Productions. These shows are live call-in Bird Talk shows, produced and recorded live from Kansas City. You could be the next guest on Bird Talk live online if you have any type of exotic bird, parrot, cockatoo, conure, budgie. We would like to share your experience live on air. If you would like to be a guest on the show, call 816 278 2494 that's 816-278-2494 anytime or visit birdtalkradio.com for details show listings portfolios of recent guests and advertising opportunities for your business bird talk live online bird talk shows are broadcast 24 7 365 days a year that's 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year benefiting millions of bird keepers all over the world. I'm your host, Mike Kiger. Thank you for tuning in today.